Recorded live. You are now listening to NGS Esports Draft Central talk about multiple big boards. I'm the host, Jamie Council, and joining me today are two senior draft analysts, uh, Josh Zimmer and Montel Hardy. Thank you for joining me, you guys. Hey, thank you for having me, Jamie. It's great to be on. It's going to be a good show. Of course, Jamie. It's uh, always fun to do this. Yep, and so I'm excited to get started talking here. I know that both of you guys have your small school big boards, and uh, we're going to get into a lot of things down the stretch. But, um, but yeah, I'm excited to get going here. You guys have done an awesome job so far uh, covering all uh, both small school and regular um, regular big school on the draft. So um, a round of applause to you guys for all your hard work there. So today we're just going to get started on, you know, kind of comparing and contrasting your guys' two, uh, two big boards uh, for, the, for the small schools because it's kind of something different that you see a lot of smaller school guys do big things in the NFL, but it's something that you don't really think about. So um, let's start with uh, your guys' first pick. We'll start with you, Josh. You have uh, Jewiski uh, Tart as your number one as your number one pick, uh, free safety from Stanford. Um, so why did he go number one uh, on your board? Well, the, the biggest thing uh, with him going number one is the fact that, uh, you know, you're looking at a guy – you know, 6'1", 218, that's prototypical size when you look for a safety. Uh, a guy at Stanford uh, who's played numerous uh, big-time schools in terms of the Arkansas and the Ole Misses and Alabamas and things of that nature. Uh, so he knows how to match up against big-level competition. Uh, does a great job of playing center field, but he's also a guy who is a kind of a ball hawk. Um, he has very good recognition skills in terms of uh, route trees and route concepts. Uh, that other offenses are going to run against him. Um, but the biggest trait that I like about this kid is the fact that he's very physical. Uh, he's not afraid to jump down into the run game to show some run support, and he's going to bury his nose in there each and every time. Um, but the biggest thing with him other, you know, also is the fact that he has a high motor. Um, he's always a 110% type player. Uh, you can throw on the Stanford tape, and the first guy who immediately stands out is this kid right here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how pro days and combines and stuff work out for him. But he's a guy, in terms of small school defensive player, who's creating a lot of buzz uh, early. Yeah, and then Montel, I noticed that you have a chart as number three, so you still think very highly of him. Is there anything that Josh missed on or that you really want to emphasize? Oh, no, he hit it there completely. Uh, you know, and, and I was saying this on Twitter just the other day, one through five is going to be interchangeable. Obviously, when combine, combine numbers come back, you'll, you'll see just where guys perform versus, you know, what their expectation was. But uh, for where he's at right now, you know, he, he could be my number one in the next week or two. But I just put him there now uh, just based on, uh, you know, the eye test and, and, and what he's done so far this year. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I just wanted to double check on that. And then, Montel, you have Linden Trail as your number one defensive end from Norfolk State. Um, why did you choose him as number one or kind of highlight him as a player? Uh, well, you know, I like Linden Trail for a number of reasons. Uh, first off, uh, you know, this is a guy who's, uh, you know, he's a two-time FCS Outstanding Defensive Player of the Year. So, Right there, that tells you that the FCS, you know, I mean, among the small schools in FCS, he's an elite player. So um, for back-to-back years, that shows the type of consistency you like to see at the position and just uh, as a defensive player, uh, not just at his specific position, but in general, he's been very consistent. Um, he does have a short history of small field issues, including an in, in arrest for an assault. But we're speaking, and that's part of the reason why he's playing for Norfolk State, uh, no disrespect to the school, but he wound up transferring there because of some trouble he's gotten himself into. But moving to the field, we're speaking uh, solely in terms of talent. Uh, you know, he, he's been great. He's been very productive. Uh, 91 tackles, uh, five sacks this past year, also 12 tackles from loss. Uh, the guy's huge. He's athletic, six six, about two sixty, and the guy plays uh, a very good uh, outside linebacker, and that's the type of you know uh, player he'll be at the next level. A hybrid outside guy, uh, helps stop the run. Uh, you know, had an incredible senior bowl process, senior week uh, process, and he's just the type of guy that you can use in three four system as an outside linebacker, and he can. He can also play, uh, you know, uh, maybe a will linebacker eventually in a four three scheme as well, and. He also played a little bit of tight end, did a little bit of that. Uh, that's strictly at the senior bowl, though, but uh, very versatile, very athletic. Uh, I think he's going to be on the slower end of some of these edge rushers when you compare him to the guys from Power 5 conferences. But in terms of talent, uh, he, he gives you about everything you can ask for from a smaller school prospect. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Josh, I noticed that he is sixth on the defensive ends on your side of the small school big board, is that purely because of off-field issues, or why uh, Why is he all the way down there at number 22? Uh, well, Montel did a good job, and uh, I totally agree with some of the things Montel said. But for me, uh, when evaluating these guys, uh, particularly Landon Trail, uh, you know, Montel mentioned the senior bowl. Yeah, he had a great process there. Um, you know, he was able to rush the passer. He was able to show that his hips were very fluid. And, hell, he even showed that he was able to play tight end, uh, which is something that he hasn't played in college. He hasn't played it since he was in high school. But with that being said, you never really got a chance to get a good feel for this kid um, in terms of going in top-level competition that he did at the Senior Bowl. One day he'd be a pass rusher. The next day he'd be playing in seven-on-sevens as a linebacker. And the next day he would be a tight end and, you know, work in a tight end drill. So you never really got a true grasp of what the kid can do, um, but in terms of you know in terms of his pass rushing ability, uh, I agree with Montel. Uh, he is a very ferocious pass rusher. He does have a high motor type guy. He's a guy who's going to be able to bend the edge very well. But when I look at some of the other prospects like a Zach Wagman or a Zach Hodges, uh, or even a Kyle Emanuel from North Dakota State, uh, these are kids who have proven themselves at that position in terms of what they can do where they can add themselves, and even somewhat, you know, they're going to be talked about as tweeners heading into, you know, combine workouts or even their pro days. But they're guys who have already been developed and have already been processed and looked at very vigorously throughout the entire season. 
So that's uh-huh. kind of where it sits with me. Uh, he's uh-huh. a guy that I like, but I just don't know where he's going to fit in into the next level. Is he going to be a tight end? Is he going to be a linebacker? Or are they going to keep him down on the line? Uh, you just don't know. Those are questions that we're going to be continued uh, to ask ourselves and wait for the answer. Um, he, I cannot remember if he was invited to the combine or not, but he will have a pro day. Uh, I will expect you to see him work in all three positions at the pro day just because he had the opportunity to do that at the senior bowl. So I like what Montel had to add to it. Uh, I'm not as high on him, uh, but he's a guy you definitely need to keep an eye on out through the entire draft process leading up to April. Yeah, so Josh, do you feel that his versatility is actually hurting him a little bit? Not at all. Uh, You know, uh, like Montel said, and like we've seen throughout the process when we watch tape on this kid this season, uh, he can do it all. I mean, he can put his hand in the dirt, he can be up in a two-point position, but, you know, again, going back to the Senior Bowl, which, granted, I know I'm putting a lot of weight on that, but it is kind of a big process now, he just you didn't get a chance to really get a true feel for him. Uh, is he going to be a true linebacker, or is he going to be like a Clay Matthews or a Von Miller, a guy that you don't expect to play in space and just rush off the edge? Or is he going to be a guy like an Everson Griffin or a Jared Allen who can just keep his hand in the dirt? Because he has great size. I mean, 6'6", 260, that's great size and that's great versatility. But it's all going to be depending on where these teams want to use him and how teams can see it fit. And on his college tape, he has not shown a lot of ability to play in space, mainly because they like to keep him as the edge rusher. And, I mean, as a North Pole State coach, especially the defense coordinator, he'd be stupid not to because he was a pass rusher in the SEC for the last year before he came there to North Pole State. So that's kind of the process that goes behind it uh, when you're looking at it. Okay. I just wanted to clarify on that. And then also looking at into your guys' running back choices. I know both of you are very high on David Johnson, running back from Northern Iowa. He's uh, he's number two on both of your guys' lists. And so, uh, Josh, your running backs go David Johnson, like I just said, and then Zach Zenner from South Dakota State, and then John Crockett from North Dakota State, uh, staying in the Midwest there on those number two ones. And then Montel, you went Johnson again for number uh, on your number two pick. And then um, you went to Malcolm Agnew from Southern Illinois and then Aaron Spikes from Bellhaven. So, Montel, we'll start with you. How come um, you chose running backs in that order? Well, it, it was a combination of some things. But when you look at the way these guys have played, I mean, all three guys have been uh, just kind of like hidden gems throughout the year. And when you look at uh, certain positions and, and just how they variate and how it goes in the NFL, you'll see, you know, receivers, running backs, corners. In terms of, like, height, weight, there's the most room for disparity um, in terms of, you know, how much they weigh and how much how tall they are. Uh, there's, there's the most room there for them to actually make it in the NFL, and so they have the highest chances. And so when I look at some of these guys, some of these small school prospects, I had to immediately put David Johnson at the top of the list. Now, he was incredible at Northern Iowa. He, you know, first off, he shows uh, power. He showed incredible vision in some of the some of the tape that I've watched of him. Uh, he's also got great size, uh, speed. And, and one thing I see about him is that uh, there's a lot of talented running backs in this class, uh, both, you know, obviously in the FBS and FCS levels. I think what separates uh, one from another is the ability to pay attention to detail, little things like pass blocking. Those help you out a lot. 
Uh, some people receive the ball well out of the backfield. So all that, you know, uh, pays dividends in time, and I think that's exactly what you saw with David Johnson. He's a phenomenal back, uh, and he can do a lot of different things at the next level. I think he'll be a solid day two guy, take him round three, round four with some value. Uh, guy's about 220 pounds, and and I think he'll be kind of like the Terrence West of this year's class. You know, not a lot of people see him coming. Uh, he'll earn some carries towards the middle of the year, and, and I think people will be very, very familiar with him in time. Okay, and then what about um, your next your next two running backs, and Agnew and Spikes? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, first off, with Agnew, um, or I'm sorry, well, I'll start with Spikes. I, this guy has been very underrated, I think, throughout uh, much of the school. He's a transfer from University of Louisiana Lafayette, and he uh, he plays very well. Now, the thing about him is when he transferred to Belhaven University, he transferred, unfortunately, into the wrong system. Uh, he was severely underused and played in what's called an air raid offense. Essentially what that does is his pass, pass, and more passing, and he just uh, – he he was just you know very underused in that. So he finished the year with uh, about 90 carries, but he averaged nearly seven yards per carry, picked up five or six touchdowns, and had a great deal of reception. So that shows me great production there. And uh, secondly, I have a source uh, that told me that he's going to run very close to a 4440. So somewhere in that. Uh, 438 to 444 range. Uh, the average tailback between 90, from 1997 to about, say, last year, the average 40 time for them is about 452. So uh, if he can be significantly better, fall on the 44s, he'll be a guy that comes on late. Uh, and this will be at a pro day. He wasn't a combine invitee. So he'll be running at a pro day uh, over at uh, Louisiana Lafayette, actually. So, uh, so the thought process there is that he'll show up, uh, he'll uh, run well. And then, of course, uh, maybe priority and draft a free agent or maybe round seven guy, uh, very deep running back class. And like I said before, uh, he's got the NFL body. He probably well, – I'm definitely sure he has NFL speed. Uh, just didn't have the production coming out of college that you look for in the back, and I think that's what Kevin can be unnoticed. Uh, moving on to Agnew, this guy's been very undersung. And uh, as a guy who lives in Illinois, you know, I follow most of the football programs around here. And uh, first off, you look at him, he's the type of guy who uh, was able to separate himself this past year with his uh, ability to run the ball and bounce it outside. Now, uh, just like uh, Aaron Spice, this guy's a little bit on the undersized side. He uh, He's about 5'9", and I think both backs are about 5'9". Uh, David, David Johnson, clearly 6'1", a lot taller. But anyways, uh, Agnew's a great runner, has vision. What I like about him is the physicality he brings. He has the speed to run outside the tackles, but he can also uh, go between the tackles with power. I've seen him run guys over. I've seen him shake guys, you know, so he can do a lot of different things. Also a very solid receiving threat out of the backfield. So I like Agnew. Uh, Some of the knocks against this guy, as I said before, he's undersized. He's had a few injury concerns, been banged up. And uh, yet again, I think he's just been underused. Uh, He was one of those guys who came to college probably thinking he was going to start from day one. Uh, didn't quite do it, uh, didn't really finally get significant carries until this very final year as a senior. And uh, he did very well, though, very well. So I think a lack of production is what's holding this guy back. But Agnew, I'm pretty confident this guy's going to be drafted. And I'd say probably round six. I think round six is about his value in a very deep class. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely placing a lot of um, emphasis on what they could do especially with Spikes, um, you know, you say his production was down because he went to the wrong school. But, Josh, neither um, Spikes or Agnew are on your uh, your big board at all. 
Um, so is there anything that you kind of uh, disagree with what Montel said, or is it just mainly the fact that they didn't put up the numbers this year? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, uh, that's the great thing about scouting, uh, and that's the great thing about evaluating players throughout the NFL draft process. Uh, everybody's going to have their different view on a player. Everybody's going to see something a little bit different. And uh, I've had the opportunity to watch, you know, Aaron Spikes and Malcolm Agnew. Uh, I believe Malcolm is a kid that, you know, like Montel said, is probably going to be a day three guy uh, anywhere between the fifth and seventh round range. Uh, he will be drafted, in my opinion. Uh, Aaron Spikes is another guy who, um, in terms of his, you know, tape, yeah, it's it's really great. But the fact that he, you know, like he said, was in an air raid offense uh, will help him translate a little bit just due to the fact the way the NFL is starting to change now. But you just don't really have enough to put a lot of weight on. Uh, when you look at, you know, the difference with, uh, you know, with mine, with some of the running backs that I saw, is I, I definitely leaned a lot more on the production side. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we both have David Johnson at number two. David Johnson is the best running back, uh, small school-wise in this class, hands down. Nobody else is going to change my mind about that. Um, he can do all three phases. He can run in between the tackles. He can bust the big one in terms of running the ball. But what really is going to save him in terms of trying to find a team and wanting teams to draft him early is the fact that he's a receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, they played the University of Iowa this year. I've mentioned it many times before, and I'm going to continue to mention it because it's impressive. Played the University of Iowa this year. He had 203 yards receiving as a running back, uh, not as a wide receiver. And he added 95 yards rushing to that. Um, that just basically shows what he can do, especially against a big-time offense. I mean, Iowa had a very good defense in the in the Big Ten this year and was one of the better defenses in the entire Power, uh, power Five conferences. Uh, you look at a guy like Zach Zinner, I mean, what can you say about him? Uh, he does everything. He can run it. He can catch it. He can block. Uh, they don't use him a whole lot in the blocking because he's such a powerful weapon uh, for that jackrabbit offense. But let's look at it this way. As a sophomore, ran for 2,000 yards. As a junior, ran for 2,000 yards. This year, as a senior, ran for 1,700 yards. Yes, that's down, you know, 300 yards. But that's almost 5,000 yards in two years, or 6,000 yards in, in three, in just over three years. Um, he can do it all. Uh, he's a guy that people are going to not really get a name about, but he is going to start creating a lot of buzz once the once the combine rolls around, once his pro day starts coming around. Uh, he's a guy that I really like. I like him a little bit more than John Crockett, the other Missouri Valley Conference running back, and even Marshawn Coperich and Malcolm Agnew, just based off of the production that he's had over the years. And the biggest thing is that he doesn't have a whole lot of injury prone to him. Uh, a couple of, you know, bangs and bruises on an ankle, but that's about it. Has never missed a game uh, for the Jackrabbits, so he's a huge weapon for that team. Uh, he's going to be a guy that can come in and maybe be an H-back or a fullback type guy, uh, depending on what offense he goes to, could potentially be that running back that carries it, you know, 25 to 30 times a game, kind of like a Matt Asiata type guy. Uh, so keep an eye on that kid for sure, Zach Zinner out of South Dakota State, because he's a guy that's going to open some eyes for some people. Yeah, I was actually able to watch him um, in the playoff game, and he's a very powerful guy. But which of these guys do you feel like Johnson um, is the most NFL-ready? Talking about how he can be a receiver, you see a lot a lot of these NFL teams utilizing their running backs as a receiver. So, um, so Montel, do you feel like uh, Johnson is the most NFL-ready? Did I lose you there?
Oh, I'm here. I'm sorry about that. I I couldn't. It sounded like you cut out a little bit. I'm sorry. Can you ask me that last question again? Oh, not a problem. Um, I'm just talking about the readiness because making the jump from, especially in small school, uh, small school guys making the jump into the NFL. So, you know, Josh is talking talking about how Johnson, how they utilize him in the receiving game a lot. So, do you feel like he is the most NFL-ready guy, as you see a lot of these NFL teams utilize the running back as a receiver. Uh, yeah, and I think, and that's yeah, and that's part of what I said earlier is that you know some of these backs aren't you know finished products or close to it, and some of these guys. Uh, I think the key here is um, when you're coming out of the small school, what can get you noticed is doing the little things well, you know, pass protection, receiving out of the backfield, being able to run the ball between the tackles, you know, being a well-rounded product. Because you can find a guy anywhere, you know, power five, any of that, that does maybe one thing extremely well. You know, that doesn't make you a high commodity or not necessarily at the running back position because it's been so devalued, you know, over the past few years. Uh, so I think the thing here with David Johnson is he's going to be he's he's going to be a real prize for whoever gets him. I think after you see some of these uh, big name guys go, he'll be the first guy. Like he'll probably be number eleven back, number ten back for a lot of guys. I think he'll go in the third or fourth round. And absolutely, he's the most pro ready uh, small school tailback, and I think it's really by a mile. Yeah, and then um, moving on. Um, one thing I noticed that's a lot different about your guys' big boards is um, our quarterbacks. Josh, you have just one quarterback in your top 32. While Montel, you have a, a couple more. And um, you're number 16 um, of Jerry Lovelock. Uh, Josh, you don't even include him on, on your big board. So what is uh, how come you didn't include that many quarterbacks on your small school big boards? you feel like the jump? from those lower these lower end schools to the NFL just simply isn't going to happen. Uh, it, it's a little bit harder. Uh it's been, you know, it's been proven that it can be done, but at the same time it's been proven that it can't be done as well. Uh when you look at some of these quarterbacks, the guys that I really like is Tyler Hennigke out of Old Dominion, but he's a guy who again, you've got to kind of figure out what's he going to do, um how is he going to translate? He's a little bit on the smaller side. Uh, in terms of Byron Bennett from, you know, southeastern Louisiana, the only guy that I have ranked on my board, uh, he was a guy who had a little bit of, mm, you'd say a little bit of flame going into the Senior Bowl uh, just because he was a commodity because he was at Oregon. I mean, you know, rewind two years ago, this was a guy who was fighting Marcus Mariota for the starting job for the Ducks and then ended up having a transfer. Uh, he has a great career in southeastern Louisiana, leads him to a couple uh, multiple playoff firsts, but uh, in the senior goal, he really struggled. Uh, he showed that he cannot make NFL sideline throws. Uh, his arm strength is just not strong enough when playing from the middle of the field and even throwing from the opposite hash. Uh, it tends to dive a little bit, so his arm strength is not there. Uh, in terms of his size, he has great size, but his weight is still a little bit of a concern, you know, only being at 215 or 220 around that area. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, especially a guy who's not very mobile, uh, you have to have a little bit of weight to you so you don't get beat around too much uh, within the pocket. But in terms of not ranking a lot of guys, uh, the big reason behind that is because so many of the other position classes this year are just loaded with talent. Uh, like me and Montel mentioned, the running backs, defensive ends, safeties. Uh, there's even a couple offensive linemen. Um, some wide receivers are going to peak up there. Uh, these guys have a little bit easier transition phase, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball which is why mine might be a little bit more heavy 
Uh, it's not that hard of a transition, uh, especially uh, when you play in the front seven. Not a whole lot of reads you have to do. Uh, the biggest thing you get used to is just getting used to that speed. Uh, the technique doesn't change or anything like that. A quarterback, on the other hand, your, your technique's going to change a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to read different defenses. You're going to have to learn to read on the fly. You're going to have to learn to read pre-snap reads, which is something that some of these schools, especially now in college with them running the spread and, and no huddle, they're not really having a chance to have to sit back and read. Uh, you know, I know it doesn't fit, but that's one knock on Marcus Mariota is that quarterbacks coming out of that system don't have to read defenses. They just literally get the ball. It's a one or two reads, and then they run. Uh, they literally don't have to sit and do an entire progression between four to five receivers. So that's the biggest jump that these guys have to make. That's why I'm a little cautious in terms of putting some of them on my board. But the biggest thing is just the fact that the other positions are just supremely loaded with talent this year. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good take on that. And then Montel, you have four quarterbacks on your big board, plus one in the honorable mention. So, do you just want to put more? Do you just have a little more faith in them, or um, what's kind of your thinking on this on this discussion of um, going between deeper deeper positions in um, in the small school, or just the transition from small school to the NFL? What is your take on that? Uh, well, first off, I know quarterback is probably one of, or in, one of, if not the hardest position to, you know, to make the change. Uh, just from college and NFL, let alone, you know, a smaller college and NFL. So I understand it's very difficult. But I figured um, after looking at my um, big board and, and the way some things are set up, uh, I mean, let's be real, you know, this quarterback class is, is just bad. And it's not in small school. It's not big school. You know, the big school quarterbacks are bad this year. So, um, I decided, you know, why not be optimistic, you know, uh, give the give the smaller school guys some love because in all seriousness, the divide between one uh, and the other, you know, at the, the bigger conference might not be that big to begin with. Uh, and so when I say that, you know, I take a look at um, Brian Bennett. I mean, he's a guy who played very well, uh, numerous accolades. He's a guy who can play uh, solid. Like when I look at the way he plays, he reminds me a little bit of uh, – <sighs> Um, Connor Shaw. He played for South Carolina last year. You know he's tough. He's gritty. He's got he's got he's got an arm. You know he's got some arm strength. Has to improve the accuracy. He's a little streaky, but Bennett's a guy who's scrappy, who's tough, who loves the game, and he'll make it to a camp and he might find a role as a third stringer somewhere. And then you know you just see where it goes. You know does he develop? Uh, does he get his uh, you know starting chance to both the quarterback and the backup get hurt? <laughs> you know the magic happens. Uh, but I think he's a guy that you put on your team and, and you give him a chance and you see where it goes and. And in all seriousness, in this uh, in this class, uh, Brandon, I'm sorry, uh, in this class, Brian Bennett could be draftable. I mean, round seven. I mean, maybe anytime round seven, it'll probably go. And when you look at uh, another guy I got, I I have to bring up Aaron Wilmer. Uh, I know it. Um, I I did a little write up on him, and he's really fantastic. I mean. He's a small guy, but he's got a big arm. You know, he's about 5'10", weighs a little bit over 200 pounds. And uh, I think he's right out about 210. Anyways, four-year starter, and and that's important. And no one one talks about this anymore, but you have guys who started for one year, two years, three years. One of the biggest issues with the quarterback position is just guys that are redshirt sophomores, started for only two years. This guy was a four-year starter at Delaware Delaware College, and I hold that in high regard. So he's got the experience. uh, He's learned a lot. Uh, he's rewritten their record book, record book over at Delaware College, and uh, even though he is over, undersized, um, I mean the arm is fantastic. 
I mean, he's throwing the ball 30, 40 yards down the field on the line. There's no uh, loft to it, uh, no softness softness at all. The ball was fired right out of his arm. You know, so he's he's got a very strong arm. He's got some mobility. And he does a good job throwing the anticipation with his receivers. Another way he keeps his eyes downfield because you can tell, uh, just like a lot of your shorter quarterbacks, they can be kind of shifty and run an open field. But he doesn't really look to do that. He's just trying to buy time, let his receivers get open down the field, and hit them because the guy has impressive accuracy on the run. So I really like Aaron Wilmer. This is a guy who will definitely get an invite. Um, he might be actually on the television series, and I recently found this out, it's called Undraftable or Undrafted or uh, something like that where, you know, you have a lot of guys who are on the, you know, who are fringe draftable, might get selected, might not. Uh, in the documentary that follows him throughout the process. So uh, if you haven't heard about Aaron Wilmer, you probably will be in the next couple of days. <laughs> small school, I mean, small guy, big arm. I like I like that, giving uh, the quarterback some love. But, Josh, what is your take on Aaron Wilmer? Because, like I said, you only had Bennett in your top 32. Well, you know, he's a guy, you know, Montel basically touched it uh, perfectly. He's a guy who is a little bit smaller on the smaller side. Uh, you know, he is going to probably measure in at a pro day around the Johnny Manziel size, which is, again, that's a red flag just in terms of height, you know, when you're looking for the tangibles. But, you know, uh, Montel said it perfectly. He does a lot of things well on the field. You know, has a strong arm. He can throw it 30, 40 yards on the field. Numerous accolades uh, playing. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, for me, like I said, uh, the biggest thing for me was his depth uh, and the fact that these defensive positions and even the running back and some of these skill positions are just so deep. You can't really, you know, for me, I, I tried to be a realist with it, tried to be very optimistic at the same time, tried to take a little bit from Montel, but I just couldn't do it. Uh, some of these positions are just way too deep. Uh, guys who can come in and be role players in terms of, you know, maybe a situational pass rusher or maybe a situational running back or maybe a goal line, you know, blocker, or a goal line defensive lineman, or even some of these receivers come in and be special teams guys. Uh, it's just so deep with so much talent. It's hard to put a lot of weight on this quarterback class because, like Montel said, it's not just a small school class. It's the, you know, it's the power five class as well. Uh, this is probably one of the worst quarterback classes in the last couple of years, uh, hands down. So you just can't put a lot of weight with it, but you have to keep an eye on it and you have to at least be recognize and, you know, give them the recognition that they deserve. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see which of these small school guys kind of separate themselves in the process leading up to April and leading up to their pro days and everything like that. Yeah, and then um, while Montel's giving uh, some love, I guess you could say, to the quarterbacks, um, one guy I noticed that um, is ranked very high on your list, Josh, and isn't even included, not even an honorable mention, on Montel is um, linebacker from Montana State and Alex Singleton, uh, 6'2", 235. So what do you see in this kid, Josh? Well, well it's, it's very easy. Uh, people are going to automatically assume that I'm biased because I'm a Montana kid. And, well, you know what, I'm not going to lie. I'm a biased Montana kid. But let's get it real. Uh, this kid can play. He was a four-year player for the Cats, a two-year starter for them at linebacker, uh, played in a lot of situational roles as a sophomore, uh, when you throw on his tape, he reminds me a lot of Chris Borland from Wisconsin. Uh, not the fastest player, you know, not, but in terms of his smarts, his smarts is off the charts. Uh, has great instincts when he drops into coverage. Um, he can fire downhill. He always goes downhill. Doesn't take a whole lot of false reach steps uh, when reading the line of scrimmage. Uh, reads his keys very well. He does have the speed and the agility to shoot the backside gap. 
to make a play instead of trying to play over the top. Uh, it's a kid who, again, uh, you know, I compared him to Chris Borland in terms of some of the things he does, but he also compares to another Montana kid in Brock Coyle, uh, a kid who didn't get a whole lot of recognition uh, through the process, had an awesome pro day, and then just as of this past weekend played in the Super Bowl for the Seattle Seahawks as one of their special teams agents. So he's a guy that, you know, I'm a little biased on, but he's a guy who does bring a lot to the table in terms of what he can do as a player and just how he's going to be able to fit into a team. Uh, he's a guy that if he has a great pro day, he's going to be in the same position that Brock Coyle was a year ago, uh, anywhere between that sixth and seventh round range, if not priority free agent. He is going to make his team on, you know, make a team on special teams. Uh, that's, that's the realistic part of this thing. But he's a kid who can play every down 110%. And he's a fantastic leader. Uh, you talk to guys in that Bobcat locker room, and they love the kid. Uh, he's a kid that never gives up, never quits, always finds a way to get the job done. And the moment the offense hits him with something weird, he's immediately on the sideline talking to his D coordinator, talking to his linebacker's coach, saying, hey, this is what we saw. This is what they faked us on. This is how we need to correct it, or how can we correct it. Uh, he's very instinctive and very smart and has great awareness. And he's going to be a guy who is going to blossom. And like I've mentioned it many times, he is one of those draft diamonds that people just don't get to hear about a lot, but they're going to hear a whole lot about him here in the next couple months or so. Yeah, and then kind of to touch on that, that you said um, just because of his position that he is going to find his spot on special teams, and that's the whole reason, uh, just on my background knowledge of him, that he was brought up that he was going to redshirt as a freshman, but he um, got he got pulled into special teams, and that's the reason why he played. And Montel, what is um, what what is your take on this kid? Because he isn't even on your top 32 or honorable mentions. So, um, what what is your take on linebacker Alex Singleton? Well, first off, you look at him. He's got uh, great size for a linebacker, six two, two forty five. I believe is what Josh said. And uh, but what I've seen for him, I've seen limited tape on him, but he does find a, he does have a very good nose for the football and the game IQ does seem to be there. One of the biggest issues, uh, well, one of the biggest qualities you look for in a linebacker is the ability uh, to know where the ball is going and to find a way to get there. Uh, ball awareness, uh, that's, that's essentially what that is. And so many linebackers struggle with that in this year's draft. And uh, as far as my board, you know, I've, I've looked and there are so many linebackers in this year's draft and so many of them are going to be taken uh, to the point where, you know, when you, when you get – down to the nitty-gritty of some of these small school guys, uh, I just have come to the conclusion that some of the best players are really offensive players and, and defensive linemen. I mean, that's essentially what I've been able to find with the exception of, you know, a few outliers. Uh, but Singleton, uh, you know, and, and Josh, you know, me, me and him will get together and do a top 50 and, and expand and as pro days and stuff like that uh, go on. Obviously, the list will expand. And, and, you know, if things go as I expect them to go, especially for Singleton at his pro day, uh, you know, I, he'll find a way on my list and he'll find a way to rise, rise up Josh's list as well. So uh, it's just all about um, what you see and then uh, the combine to back it up. Do they have the athleticism they appear to show on tape? And that's uh, so critical because when these uh, NFL teams look at the small school guys, that's the first thing they look at is, you know, are they on par with our athleticism? So um, if you can check that final box, uh, absolutely uh, great player. Okay, I just wanted to know if there's any huge red flag because, like you said, you think it's more of an offensive year. You only have two linebackers on your big board, but maybe there's a huge red flag that Josh wasn't seeing that he's kind of blindfolded by the Montana uh, Montana State sign on him. So I just wanted to double-check on that. 
and, and then I'm, I'm, I have to be a little biased because he's a Cali kid, so no, I'm just kidding. But um, but then moving on, what are uh, now that the big boards are down and you kind of have seen these kids uh, progress and then we're going into combines, is there any guys that have moved up and down um, on your big boards, either something that's really good that they deserve to be moved up or something that you've seen since posting this that has kind of moved down their um, their draft uh, their draft ability or draft um, their draft stock. So uh, we'll start we'll start with you, Josh. Is there anybody on your board that's moved up or down? Well, yeah, there's there's one kid who's moved up, and Montel knows who exactly I'm going to say, and that's. OW, offensive weapon Trayvon Vance from the University of Montana. Uh, now, again, this is a kid who played at Marshall as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman, was their second leading rusher, was Conference USA Freshman of the Year, was Conference USA All-Freshman Team, was third-team freshman All-American. They wanted him to move to defense. He said, I'm not going to do that, so well, let's transfer to one of the best FCS schools in the entire country that has one of the best winning traditions, and that's the University of Montana. He's done nothing but star there ever since. He's a guy who, when I was talking to you about it, Montel, uh, you said it perfectly, Tavon Austin, uh, when you watch his tape. He's a guy that you can put him in the slot, you can line him up in the backfield, or you can even put him out wide as an X or a Z. Uh, they're going to get him the ball some way. Uh, if there's a, a statistic out there that is particular touches per touchdown, he would easily lead it in the entire country. Uh, the kid's a big play weapon waiting to happen. Uh, it seems like every – Every time he touches the ball, he has the ability to take it to the house. Uh, he's a guy that I really like, and I think, again, he's a guy that people aren't going to be able to know about because he's not getting invited to a combine, but he's going to have a pro day, a huge pro day with his skill set. It's going to allow for some teams to be like, hey, you know what, maybe we need a special teams guy. Here we go. And then that's just the door opening for him, and he's going to find a way to make it. Uh, he's a big guy that I really like. Uh, another guy that I like who's kind of moved up and down a little bit is safety Kevin McDonald from Eastern Washington. Uh, former UCLA Bruin, he has a football pedigree. His dad played in the NFL. His brother's a safety for the St. Louis Rams. And now, I mean, let's face it, he was a Pac-12 uh, freshman, you know, all-freshman player uh, for them until he had to transfer due to some uh, off-field issues. But he's a guy who can do everything. Uh, he can play center field. Uh, I think he's going to transition more to a strong safety, allow him to play in the box a little bit more. But he's a guy that I really like. In terms of guys going down yet, Nobody has really gone down on my board. Uh, it, it's still a little early in the process to figure that out. Uh, after maybe combine workouts and pro days, that's when you're going to see guys jump a lot and jump down uh, before their pro day. But, you know, a lot of it's going to be based on this combine that comes up in the next week or so down in Indianapolis. But in terms of guys who I've, I'm starting to get a liking to, uh, Trayvon Van is probably the guy that I'm starting to create the most buzz with. Uh, I really like this kid. He's going to be able to fit in any offense. Uh, and again, like I said, big play weapon every time he touches the ball. Okay, and uh, how about you, Montel? Are there guys that have moved up and down? Uh, yeah, yeah. For speaking uh, small school big board, right? Um, well, yeah, and and some of these things uh, are really just you know you're talking about the difference between being drafted and not drafted. But some of these guys, uh, for instance, if you take a look at, uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Arthur Ray Jr. Now, this guy has got one of the better stories in all of college football. I'll keep it short. He used to play for Michigan State, um, had a uh, bout with cancer for about a year, um, taught to the NCAA, got most of his eligibility back, played for two years at Fort Lewis University. The guy is a monster, 6'3", 300, can play center, can play guard, 
interior offensive lineman all the way, and he's an absolute brainiac. So I've been on calls with this guy. I've talked to him a couple of times, and he can show you exactly what a line should do in a certain situation. He actually wants to play center at the next level, so he can, you know, because he's most worried about the quarterback. So he wants to uh, make sure he knows the right protection. So in terms of game IQ and in terms of uh, build, he's been great. Uh, obviously, when you do it off of the lineman, uh, you know, production, I mean, there's, you know, there's no real measure on production. I mean, you can watch how many times someone gets pancaked, but that's about it. But uh, that's why I think it's very crucial that I believe he'll be at a pro day. I, I'm thinking he might get a chance to go either somewhere in Michigan or do one nearby uh, the school he transferred to in Fort Lewis. Uh, go to your workout, okay, rep out, do your drills, and, and, and see where you land. Because I really think this guy can get drafted. Um, a lot of people um, usually have some of these smaller school guys off of the lineman as priority free agents. Uh, he has a chance to go uh, late day three, round six, round seven, uh, but he's got impressed with his workouts. And, uh, you know, NFL loves a great story. Uh, so does football in general, the media. So I really think he'll be one of those guys you hear about and, and you'll hopefully get a chance to hear how great a story this guy has. Yeah, that's uh, just from a little bit. That's kind of an amazing um, amazing feat from the comeback. But then at 6'3", 300, that he also has uh, the tangibles, it sounds like, as well. And then moving into combines, what are guys that you're really uh, that you're really kind of watching with a Hawkeye? Because as we've let it be known, these small school guys aren't really known in kind of uh, combines and pro days make or break them. So uh, moving into that, what uh, what are guys that, that you're kind of watching with a Hawkeye Montel? Uh, well, first off, it's Amari Cooper. He's a receiver I fought for all year. I know the numbers are huge. Um, part of that was because he was probably by far the best receiver on that team. And the things that he had the versatility to do the things needed to get the ball when you have a inexperienced Blake in the quarterback, you have a Elaine Kiffin offense for the first time around. He got it the best, and that's why he got – uh, the huge uh, part of the market share in terms of uh, receptions and yardage. Uh, so you look at him, you you put him up against uh, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, uh, Jalen Strong. These are some receivers who are definitely going to be in the first round. Uh, athletically, that's what it's going to come down to is these numbers. A lot of people feel like Parker might be the best guy. A lot of people feel like White is the best guy. I feel like Cooper is the best guy because of his fundamentals and, and just uh, – his, his production, his fundamentals, and some of the things he did with a subpar quarterback. Um, so it's going to be important for him to go to the combine and run well. So three-cone drill, 40-yard uh, dash, I currently figure he's going to be faster than the other two guys I mentioned, the other three. I expect him to run a faster 40 than White, than Parker, uh, than Strong, or at least be able to run uh, maybe an official time of 4 4 3 Four 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 at the absolute slowest, and even that might be questionable. But if you can find a way to be right at four four one or four four two, he's exactly where I thought he could be. But if he goes there and and just lays an egg, runs a four four nine, I got to move him down the board, and it's not going to be just you know one or two spots. It's, it might be like fifteen. So I think it's going to be huge for him to run well. Three cone drill matters just as much as well. You got to have that agility. Uh, he was the king of the post round in college football, so that's going to be pretty important if he's going to take that to the next level with him. Uh, another guy who I've really, really been watching the combine uh, as well is going to be uh, it's going to be Dante Fowler Jr. Uh, this is a guy who plays, uh, he can play an edge rusher in a 3-4. You can actually leave him where he's at and just keep him as a normal 4-3 defensive end. And he can play the role very well. Uh, his game translates to just about any NFL defense, but the key here is uh, in a huge edge class, 
Athleticism is what's going to separate one from the other. Athleticism is the reason why everyone has Randy Gregory in the top five, even though his film will put you to sleep. So I really think if Fowler is going to find his way in the first round, he would have to be a top five defensive end in this class. I project him to be one. But he's the type of guy that can go there, pull a Terrell Suggs, run a four, almost a four eight forty. And then if he does that, then he can just wave goodbye to the first round because, I mean, you got to run well. I, I have no questions about his power. Dude should be very strong. I expect him to wrap out, maybe hit about 20, uh, wraps up a 225 uh, bench press in the combine. I think he'll do fine there. But I know he's not going to be a great leaper. I don't expect his vertical leap to be very popular. I don't expect his broad jump to be – I expect it to be about average. Nothing spectacular there. So uh, it's going to be important for him to really nail the speed part because if you're not jumping, if you're not leaping well, then you kill your range, and in turn you also kill your versatility. So then maybe he won't. Uh, be an ideal fit for a 3-4 defense. So those are two huge guys who I think can stand to win or lose the most uh, heading into the combine. Yeah, yeah, you make some good points. And how about you, Josh? How are uh, the combines going to make and, or break some uh, players' draft stock? Which guys are you keeping an eye out on? Well, Montel, you're my, you know, you're my fellow partner. Let's just see how much you know me. There's one player who I've been man-crushing on the entire year. He's a defensive end. If you can tell me who that is, then we don't even have to speak about it. <laughs> oh, God. It, it must be It must be Big Beasley, right? Am I, am I close? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. It is. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're partners. That's why we're teammates. No, but, all right. Getting into the uh, string of things. Big Beasley, um, this kid's the best pass rusher in this class. Uh, there's nothing that's going to to shape that. You watch his tape, you can't compare it to anybody else uh, in terms of his fast step. He has easily the quickest and most explosive first step in the entire draft this year in terms of defensive players. Uh, if you don't believe me, just go ahead and throw on the Florida State tape from this year. He'll prove you wrong in about eight snaps. Uh, that's how quick it's going to be. Um, the biggest thing that I'm going to watch for this kid, because we know he's going to test well. Uh, we know he's going to run anywhere between the four fives and four sixes. I expect that because he's an athlete. The thing that I want to see is how much is he going to weigh, because that's really the only knock that he has right now. Uh, is he going to be a guy who comes in and weighs 225, or is he going to be a guy who is bulked up and is going to weigh around 245, uh, which I'm hoping he weighs around 245, because that will basically cement him in the first round if he tests well. Uh, another guy that I like who I think is going to have a make or break, this is actually literally going to make or break his career in my opinion, is going to be Dorell Green Beckham, the wide receiver from Missouri. Uh, you want to talk about a guy who has baggage. Uh, this kid makes you say, oh, man, Jameis Winston's a good guy. Uh, he has a lot of baggage, um, and a lot of it is bad baggage. Uh, we're talking assault, drugs, you name it. I mean, that's the reason why he got booted from Missouri. And with him transferring to Oklahoma this year, he had to sit out a year uh, because of the, you know, transferring within the same uh, division rule. But in terms of playing style, uh, this kid is a freak. Um, you look at him, a lot of people kind of compare him to a Randy Moss type guy. Uh, he has the size, he has the frame, he has the speed, he has everything. The biggest thing with this guy is, is he going to be able to prove himself that he's been in football shape all year? Is he going to come in and run well? Is he going to test well? Is he going to look fluid in his on-field drills? Because that's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, let's, you know, let's not forget there are some receivers who are going to run the 4-5 or 4-6, but where you kind of separate yourself on that is how well you run routes. Are your routes going to be clean? Are your routes going to be fluid? Are you going to know separation and everything like that? 
Um, that's going to be the biggest on-field asset for him that he can really improve himself this weekend. But the biggest one is going to be when he goes in and privately meets with these teams and they literally ask him, hey, what's the deal? Like, what what, what will really happen? Um, and that's going to be a big thing for him. And, you know, the same thing can be said for Marcus Peters, a guy who was dismissed from the University of Washington, didn't play the rest of the season, uh, also had some off-the-field issues. But that was more so with the coaching staff, not with his personal life. Uh, but that's going to be another thing that could help him out. Um, but in terms of pass rushers, uh, I'm a pass rush, you know, guru. I love pass rushing. I was a pass rusher myself in my old days. Um, it, it's going to be a fun class to watch. But it's going to be interesting to see where these guys separate themselves. But I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go with Montel on this. I think the biggest one is going to be the receivers. Who can separate themselves the most? Is it going to be Amari Cooper? Is he going to lock himself in to be the number one guy? Is Jalen Strong going to show up and run clean routes and show that he's actually the better guy? Is it going to be Devontae Parker? Is it going to be Kevin White? Is Darrell Green Beckham going to show up? Uh, these are five guys who can potentially be all first-round picks, especially Beckham, you know, Green Beckham, just because of what he can do. Nobody's going to care about the off-the-field issues. Look at Janoris Jenkins. He had off-the-field issues, went and played at D2 school, and then he was drafted in the second round and became an all-pro as a rookie. So the off-field issues aren't going to be a huge thing. It's going to be whether or not how they can actually show whether or not they separate themselves from the rest of the pack. If they can do that, they're going to be sitting well come their pro day. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what um, the combines are all about is kind of getting scouts to see what these players are capable of. You know, everybody gets thrown from small school, big school, no school into the same playing level um, per se. And other than that, that's all I have for you guys. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add, Montel? Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, just uh, just thanks for having me, Jamie. You know, Josh, it's a pleasure as usual. And uh, until next time, guys. Yeah, it's uh, great having you. You've done a great job. And um, anything else you have to add, Josh? Not at all. Again, thank you very much for having us this evening, Montel. Again, always a pleasure. Um, and continue up the great work. We're doing a good job. Yep, both of you guys did a really good job. And, uh, again, that is Montel Hardy and Josh Zimmer, our two draft uh, draft analysis uh, gurus, if you will. And this is Jamie Council uh, hosting NGSC Sports Draft Central here at NGSC Sports. We never stop. And tune in next time to our podcast to keep the coverage coming on not just small schools, but big schools, no schools, Everything surrounding the NFL draft. Till till next time, I'm Jamie Council.